This is the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast, exploring the human element behind cybersecurity programs and technology. In the past 24 hours, CrowdStrike has processed more than 1 trillion security events. That's 35 million events since I started this sentence. That isn't just big data, that's CrowdStrike data. CrowdStrike's engineers are pioneering the future of the cybersecurity industry and working at an incomparable scale while solving some of the toughest challenges in technology. CrowdStrike is a team that makes a difference every day, protecting customers around the globe from the world's most sophisticated adversaries. If you want to take your passion for technology and purpose-driven work and make it a superpower, join the company that's on a mission that matters by visiting CrowdStrike.jobs. Thank you, CrowdStrike, for sponsoring this episode. Welcome back to the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast. Question for you. What did you want to be when you were growing up? Did you want to be a doctor a lawyer, or maybe even a basketball player. The further on that we go in life, the more understanding that we get about the things that we're most curious about and how we can give back to our society. Our guest this episode initially wanted to be a basketball player, but after college, they set their sights on technology. They found mentors and ultimately put themselves in a position to mentor the next wave of professionals. Our guest on this episode is Samara Williams. Samara and Chris have been working together for quite some time as a mentor and mentee. And now Samara has taken that mentorship and has built teams, built security programs, and is building the next wave of professionals. We're sure you'll love this episode, so let's jump right into it. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again, along with a friend of the podcast, like a family member to you, Chris. I know that you've known our guest for quite some time. In the studio today, we have Samara Williams. Samara is a part of our Hacker Valley Studio Mastermind, and she is also an expert in our industry. She serves as a manager of threat operations at Cardinal Health. I feel like this episode is probably long overdue, but Samara, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Samara, you know, I felt like I've been able to dip into people's career throughout my entire life and play little roles here and there. But I really feel like I've had a front row seat to your ascension in cyber and your ascension into really just life in general. But for the folks that don't know who you are just yet, we'd love to hear a little bit about your background and what you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I could talk about this all day. If I take, if I do too much, y'all, let me know, okay? <laughs> and I'll quit. So <clears throat> let's see here. I, you know, so basketball was my whole life very early on, right? I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. That's all I did. That's all I did was play basketball. And I made sure that I got the grades to keep playing basketball, right? So when I decided to go to college, I was like, where am I going to play basketball? Naturally, <laughs> because that's what I was doing. I ended up going to the small Baptist school in Texas. And to be honest, after a couple of years, my my passion for the sport just kind of died. 
And then I was looking at my degree plan, right? Because I was like, well, I'm not going to the WNBA. I'm not going to Italy to play basketball because I was born there. Anyway, so I looked at my degree plan and I was like, oh, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And to be honest, and I'm not going to name the school because the degree plan is trash. So I decided to leave because of that reason. I came back home and I was talking to my mom, right? Because my mom, she's everything to me. She helps me make all my decisions. What do I do? What should I do? I knew I wanted to be in business, right? When I was younger, there was nothing better than a female, like a a woman's power suit, right? Mm. That's what I always thought. What's funny is that I would never be caught in a power suit, right? (laughs) 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 But back then, that's exactly, that's what I thought was the epitome of, you know, women's power, empowerment, right? So she was like, look, I've got this new job. I am the chair for the information security. Um, I'm, I'm the assistant to the chair of the information security department. You should give this a try. And swear to God, fell into it. I did. I took the security plus. I got it, and it was like it was like I was home, right? So, for the longest time, I was trying to get into security. I was working for um, Accenture Federal Services at the time. I was doing QA stuff for um, database development, and I came across this job description for uh to, in columbus ohio <laughs> so random okay i'm like you don't think about ohio no nobody does with the exception of like lebron james so <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking at this thing and I, I traveled for work at one point i went to dayton and i was like yo this place is kind of chill right it's super underrated and um so i i applied to this job right and um i ended up getting it <laughs> it was it was really kismet especially because i was like can i can I do this? Like, can I move across the the country? You know? And I, I looked at my wife, not, she wasn't my wife at the time, but I looked at her and I said, if it's this salary amount, I, I cannot say no. And she was like, you damn skippy. You can't right. say no. Okay. <laughs> so not even going to lie. It was the exact dollar amount that I was offered. Right. Mm. I mean, I, if I, if I knew Right now, where I am right now, if I knew that that decision would be the, the game changer, like I wouldn't have freaked out about it so much. <laughs> okay, so I come up here. I uh, I'm the uh, it's a it's a rotational program, and I think this is when I met you, Chris. It was a rotational program where I got to rotate through seven different companies and learn uh, as much as I could about cybersecurity. At the end of the program, the companies have sort of pick of the litter. They can choose whoever they would like to offer a job. I ended up going to Huntington Bank and doing threat intelligence there. My, my number one choice at the time though was Cardinal Health due to the culture. So a great friend of mine who's no longer at Cardinal, he hit me up and was just like, look, we're looking for somebody to, to grow the threat intelligence program at Cardinal. Can you come over and do it? And I mean, I couldn't say no. That was my number one choice at the time. I didn't go for the role. So I did that now. I built the entire framework for the threat intelligence capability at Cardinal Health. They were starting to move managers. There was an empty spot. I was completely tied to the strategy. Okay, I couldn't let it go. Mm-hmm. The strategy I built as the senior engineer. So I had, I, I just, like I went into that space because I wanted to keep the strategy going. And I'm pretty sure every move I made, um, I've always hit up Chris and be like, yo, is this smart? <laughs> is this, like, does this make any sense? Um, and I just want to like, Really quick, do a huge shout out to you, Chris, because I was so like young in, in sort of my career path when I reached out to you, and you were just so gracious and like just super chill and super cool. And like this random ass girl is hitting me up <laughs> talking about 
can I learn cybersecurity with you? And you're like, you know what? I don't have enough free time. Let me just, <laughs> you know. Um, so again, super appreciative to you. But yeah, that's essentially where I, um, how I got to here. And right now, you know, in, in this managerial position, I took on threat intelligence and vulnerability management. Mm -hmm. And I love the way these two things are playing together. And it's really not seen all that much. And I think it really should be. We're doing a lot of really innovative stuff at work here at Cardinal Health because we have so, we, I mean, our attack vectors are ridiculous, right? There's so many ways right. a threat actor could breach, compromise the company. And so it's not only threat intelligence, we are, you know, trying to get to the, the, the point where we're at intelligence as a service, right? Anywhere in the organization can come and hit us up and we can work with them. We're doing vulnerability management. We have a vulnerability intelligence process to help us prioritize I'm not going to say how many vulnerabilities, okay, <laughs> you know, the different business units. Um, right. We're also doing threat modeling because of the unique situation of having that external focus with threat intelligence and such an internal focus of vulnerability management. And we've, we've also taken on technical risk communications where we can granularly risk rate malware, threat actors, vulnerabilities to eventually get to the point where we're putting some sort of risk model around gap analysis. Right. So I'm not going to give any secret sauce there, but <laughs> I mean, it's super, super cool stuff. And I couldn't be happier. Keep your secret sauce. You know, I'm sure there's someone out there that's going to want to know that secret sauce and they're going to be reaching out very soon. But from my perspective, it's been an honor to watch your ascension in this space. You're on different talk shows and you're on different podcasts and people are asking you to join boards. And I couldn't be more proud of what you've been able to do in the space. And I know it's only going to get crazier from here, but a lot of folks out there know you by four words. And those four words are keep your ish safe. I don't even have a TED Talk. You have your own TED Talk. I would love to hear the story of how that came to be, what it was like to be on that TED stage, and what was the aftermath of that talk? So I'll start with the last question first. That that TEDx talk was, it, it laid the groundwork for everything else. Like people watch that and it gives me a lot of imposter syndrome because people watch that TEDx and they're like, whoa, what an accomplishment, right? But I'm sitting here like, you know, you know, I, of course I got up there on stage and I was doing my thing or whatever, but it was only five minutes, y'all, <laughs> you know, like it, it's, it's not, it's not that big of a deal, but the truth is, right. And my, this is where my mom slaps me and is like, girl, wake up. I, I, it, it seems smaller to me than it is, right? Because a lot of decisions in my life, and I'm sure we'll get into a lot of those, <laughs> I've just jumped into things, right? And I said, you know, throwing caution to the wind sometimes. And I'm just like, it's going to work out. Um, not everybody operates that way. But <clears throat> so this is when I am at Huntington Bank. And I remember the day like it was yesterday. I'm sitting in my cubicle at Huntington and I'm, I'm working on the threat actor database. <laughs> okay. And I get a call from one of the best sponsors I've ever had. I mean, anything he thinks of, he's throwing my name in the hat. He's, he's constantly giving me, um, opportunities and he's actually now my leadership coach and he's using me as a, a Guinea pig. So, um, he, he calls me up and he's like, look, <laughs> somebody, somebody's looking for a person to do a talk. And I'm like, sweet let's do it. You know, I've always been super open to, um, public speaking. Uh, and he's like, well, it's 600 people. You only have to do like five minutes and it's just everything they need to know about 
cybersecurity. And I was like, whoa, there. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, first of all, 600 people, huh? Where am I? Where am I going? Right? Five minutes. Uh, how do I talk about everything <laughs> they need to know about cybersecurity in five minutes? Okay. So um, it was funny. And this is where he, he knows me well. He's on the phone there and he's like, look, I don't have all day. I need an answer right now. <laughs> okay. And I was sitting there and I was like, oh, why? Why me? And he said, I think you have the right energy for it. I, to this day, I think I know what he means, but not, not entirely sure. I don't know how two years ago, because this is what we're coming up on. Two years ago, he thought that. So I'm sitting there and I'm just like, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. And it, it's funny because um, I got, you know, I got a speaking coach and everything like that. And she was like, okay, so how are you feeling about this? You know, it's five to six minutes, 800 people, you know, and I was like, what, wait a second, what? <laughs> 800, I was told it was six. So <laughs> all of this imposter syndrome, right? It's just weighing heavily, so heavily down on me. And I, I am relatively good about keeping my cool, right? And so, so I, I developed the content. I'm, I'm really not sure on what I wanted to do. So originally, I don't, I don't actually talk about this much. The TEDx was going to be framed as a, like a storyline where you walk through um, sort of a individual compromise of a, of a, a gen pop person, right? And you're, you're walking through the email, how she clicked on it, blah, 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 this and that, this and that. It could easily fill five minutes, could be super educational. But I was like, oh, this is kind of boring. Like, why would anybody care about this? Especially if it doesn't, if it's some, you know, an older female who, who's retired or, who, you know, whatever. It, it doesn't, it's not going to appeal to the entire audience. Mm -hmm. So, if, I mean, gosh, I'm, it's take, I, I knew about it maybe two, three months and ahead of time. I didn't know what I was actually going to talk about for like a month, right? So I'm mm -hmm. sitting there and I'm wasting all this time. And then it just hit me because I think uh, my wife had texted me about, if I set the alarm or something. And I was like, yo, everybody knows about physical security. You grow up in life understanding how to secure yourself as a human being, right? From thieves, from other wrongdoers. So I need to take physical security components that people in their everyday life do and tie it to cybersecurity somehow. So I did, I did passwords with a lock on the door, I MFA with like guard dogs right? And then privacy settings, as if you're like open, you're leaving your <laughs> windows wide open for any creeper to walk right. by and look at you and see what you're doing. And then you're like almost like a force field for uh, around your home for VPN. And it ended up just being a hit, you know, and I don't know if I can curse on the podcast. I'm pretty sure I already did it twice, but I All decided good. on, <laughs> I decided on keep your shit safe <laughs> because honestly, cursing makes me comfortable. My mm. entire family curses like at home, I mean, you wouldn't believe how many F-bombs are flying around, okay? <laughs> and I was like, I need to do something that's going to get the audience's attention and make me comfortable. So I, I, I asked my speaking coach, can I curse? She's like, yeah, hell yeah, you can curse, you know? <laughs> so I was like, oh, it's on. I was like, it's on from here. So the day, the day came, right? And I completely bombed rehearsal, y'all. I mm. forgot all my lines, everything. My knees, I mean, you know, I look good. I'm doing my whole like blazer, jeans, tennis shoe look. Like, that's, that's what I like 100%. So I'm feeling good. And my knees, <laughs> I have never, never felt my knees shake, right? I'm a basketball player. I'm used to performing in front of people, right? But these knees, okay? 
And I'm like, I don't, I don't know how I can do it. So I walk out on stage. As soon as I say, I work in cybersecurity and I think it's my job to tell you to keep your shit safe. The audience starts roaring with laughter and like instantly my whole body is calm. Like humor is my thing, right? If I can make people laugh, I am in my element. And for, I didn't forget a single word. I said every single thing I wanted to say to the audience and I was only 15 seconds over on my time. So it couldn't have gone any better. And I still, till this day, have opportunities based on that one thing I did. So I'm, I actually do talks about some of my thought processes going into making decisions. Um, part of it is just saying yes and worrying about the rest later. The other part of it is showing up. And that can be anything from literally just arriving on time and ready, or you know, when we don't feel like it's a great mental health day, doing it anyway, right? And then not making life harder than it needs to be. That third one, I am still working on <laughs> because I, I don't, I don't think I told you this, Chris, but I'm actually keynoting at a conference next week. And yes. yeah, and I still, I'm still making life as hard as it possibly could be. So that one's a work <laughs> in progress. But these are the three things that I generally use when approached with an opportunity. So yeah, there you go. I think I answered all the aspects of your question. <laughs> you, you got it all. You got it all. <laughs> And the best part about that story is it sounds like you have a great support system. You're talking about mm -hmm. having your wife in your corner, your, your, your speaking coach, your leadership coach. You have all these people in your corners to help you develop and become the best person that you can possibly be and do great TED, TEDx talks also, by the way. We'll be sure to drop that in the show notes so everyone can watch it. But one of the questions I had for you that we love to ask people on the podcast, you have all these supporters around you. They're lifting you up and they're helping your superpower shine. What exactly is your superpower, would you say, and what's the story behind it? Authenticity is my superpower. Oftentimes I meet people and I think sometimes people put on a certain face because they want to be perceived a certain way. I have to be myself. I don't know how else to be. And in the past, I used to worry that I was too much, that I was too abrasive, too aggressive, uh, that I joked around too much, that I wouldn't be taken seriously. And the exact opposite is happening. Am I a little abrasive and aggressive? Sure, no problem. But I've, I've coupled that with my ability to be vulnerable with anyone, for the most part, trust. I mean, I'm pretty much an open book. So I don't tell anything that's necessarily like not true. So I don't have to worry about the trust aspect as much. But because I am so upfront, straightforward, but also vulnerable and true to myself, I think people appreciate that about me. And one of my favorite things is when people come to me and they say, look, I have a question for you and I know you'll tell me the truth. So this is why I want to ask it, right? That is probably the biggest compliment anyone can give me. Not only do they find me trustworthy, but they know that I'm going to give them you know, the real, right? In 2008, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up my age here. I came out <laughs> at the age of, of 13, okay? So back then, that was, that was relatively young. I mean, this is the summer between eighth grade and ninth grade. And obviously, I have, I'm blessed with an incredibly supportive family. And that really helped me uh, find my identity very early on in life and then sort of work through the rest of it, right? So I, I have this identity, I know who I am, and I see the problems 
or the challenges presented to me as a result. And over time, I've learned how to approach situations differently based on how I identify and who I am. And so that's why I think my superpower is authenticity, because I can still be myself in different situations and find success in them. So when you think about your superpower is authenticity and you Mm -hmm. think about bringing yourself to work, because I feel like a lot of folks always say, you know, bring your whole self to work. But what people are usually saying is bring your whole self to work that I agree with. Mm. They, They usually don't take on this, you know, I want you to be completely authentically you. And I really appreciate what you're saying about you might be a little abrasive or aggressive because I feel like we need diversity across the board, diversity of thought, diversity of culture, diversity of everything across the board. And I also think diversity of personality is super important because you'll have those people that are really, really organized, but then you also have those visionaries. You'll have people that are aggressive and then you have people that play it safe or they're cautious. I really think you need all these components to be on a team, but I'd love to hear a story when you were the pusher, you were the aggressor and you were able to make a change, but there was someone on the team that also counterbalanced you. Is there a story that you could tell that would highlight that? Oh my gosh. I mean, my entire relationship <laughs> my 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 wife is the the absolute opposite of me and we are on the opposite spectrum. So while I could be all the way, you know, on the left here where I'm just loud and obnoxious, she's just so quiet and contained, right? Now, work specific. Let's see here. I have a I have a lot of examples. Um, but I got to be careful who I who I speak to here. I mean, I have been incredibly vocal about how I feel diversity, inclusion, you know, uh, equity, equality, all of that, all that good stuff. Right. And I sometimes make the mis, well, you know what? It's not a mistake because it's authentically me. I, when I'm very passionate about something, my delivery can be a little, right. So, uh, I'm not going to name any names, but I, I have a mentor actually. And this is a person that's very important is very, very special to me. Uh, because I just like diverse teams, you need diverse mentors. You need mentors that think like you, that look like you, that don't look like you, and don't think like you, just so that you have that sort of breadth of knowledge across the board to make a, a really good decision. And I was open about wanting to have the most diverse team I could at Cardinal Health. And I might have said some things in a, in a particular meeting that could <laughs> could be misunderstood to say that we do not have a lot of diversity at Cardinal Health, which is not true, okay? But unfortunately, at the time, there wasn't a, a big push to hire, like uh, to grow the teams a lot, right? So you kind of had what you had, okay? I'm trying to like step through this carefully. I don't know if you can tell, but <laughs> I, I had this goal. I communicated this goal and I had this mentor that took me aside and just like, look, uh, you can't necessarily say things the way that you said them. <laughs> so for this is how I would have handled it. This is another way that you could have handled it. And this is how you can clean it up a little bit. And I thought those three things were so powerful because he wasn't necessarily telling me how to be, right? He was giving me options as to what, how he would have handled it. And he's a much different person than me and how else I could handle it because he knows me, right? And then I can find somewhere comfortable 
that I, that I can handle it from there. So it's very important to have mentors who actually know you and actually care about you. So now, you know, I, I still, I still push the envelope while delivering the message in a more eloquent way. And I, to this day, believe I do have the most diverse team, but that's because I did, I did certain things, right? I opened it to all remote all the time. And I put myself out there on places like Twitter and LinkedIn. I am authentic, right? I am my whole self and I am that every single day. So as a result, I I do believe that black people, Hispanic people, the LGBTQ plus community is more comfortable with me as a leader because I am so open and I would never be embarrassed to have that type of person on my team. I've been through similar things, right? That they've been through. Um, I can identify and relate to them. Uh, I, I can, I can provide guidance on how to work through this industry as a person of color. To all your points, you've really stepped into this position by having so many walks in life, like having so many experiences. And I think that's so important of a leader and really the diversity that we see in an organization is relative to the people and how they measure diversity. So it's really different for, for everyone. And one of the things that I'm really picking up from you is that it sounds like you have all of these diverse qualities that will help lead someone to make informed decisions about the work that they do, whether it's cybersecurity or even about their career. Have you found yourself in a position where you're mentoring a lot of people or or working with organizations to bring up the next wave of practitioners? Yeah, so um, I, I, I definitely work with different organizations to do that. I definitely mentor people as much as I possibly can on certain things. I, I want to say quickly that that representation matters. And I think there's an un- unfortunate perception that Black people hang out with Black people because they're comfortable or they're clicky, whatever. But representation matters because of that comfort level, because of the relatability with each other. So that's the reason I've been able to hire so effectively, so quickly, right? So in the past eight months, I've added eight people to my team. It's one person a month, right? Which is not often heard of. Um, I was able to do that because, again, I was authentic and because I represent so many groups. I have every single group that I represent on my team through recruiting, through finding people and getting to know them. I'm still very much a mentee. I could I could be a better mentee, but I'm, I have shifted into that mentor aspect. And what's really interesting is that I'm, I'm still relatively young. So I'm, I often, I'm mentoring people that are older than me, but it's interesting when you think about age, because just because I'm much younger, I have been through a lot based on my own decisions and based on my identity and based on my background. And, you know, even I have somebody on my team right now who's going through a divorce. So he often comes to me because he's worried about his kids and I am from a divorced family. So he is almost using me as a mentor in that way, based on my perspective and my experience. Because I'm adopting kids right now and going through all of these parenting um, trainings. And well, I've, I've been through a lot, but you have to continue your training. I find that I'm going to people to understand what ordinary looks like, right? And what their normal is. But then I also have people who are seasoned parents coming to me. Right, I'm five months deep in this parenting thing, and they're coming to me. They're like, "What does your training tell you about this?" Right. So, all of my experiences in life have just given me these different perspectives. So, 
I am happy to be a mentor and happy to provide my perspective because I do think that it's useful. Um, and I think that that is part of my duty as the person that I am, uh, is to provide that education and insight into the different experiences I've encountered. You have a certain strength that's alluring for a lot of people. And I think that's why they see a mentor in you, someone that they can trust, someone that they can lean on in their harshest and greatest moments. And I've seen that through you through this entire time. And that's why I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of everything you're doing as a parent now. You have three kids and you're raising them, which is incredible. You're doing great in your career and you're balancing all of this extremely well. But there's someone out there that's listening to this podcast right now that hasn't been as authentic as they can be. They feel like if they show up themselves to work, they will be turned away. People will laugh at them. People will not like them because they feel like they're weird or a misfit in some way. What would you what piece of advice would you have for that person that feels like that misfit? They want to be more authentic. How do they keep their ish authentic? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I'm um, as you were talking, there have been people that have come to my come to my mind who have confided in me about how they feel that they are, how they identify, and how their current life isn't conducive to that identity, right? And it is such a tough spot to be in, right? So I think there's a couple of different people that could be you know listening to this and identifying this, and it's those people who are afraid to come out as who they are. Um, the people who feel as though they cannot afford it. And what I mean is that they feel like they would lose too much in the process of becoming who they actually are. You know, that's beyond fear. Um, and I think my advice to those people would be to find that person. Okay. Find a person who you trust, who you would, I mean, you know, they, they would take a bullet for you in a turn of phrase, but find that person who you can trust in, who you can talk to, right? And hopefully this person is willing to walk through this journey with you. I am a very strong believer that it is almost toxic to you not to be who you, who you are, right? So no matter how long it takes, no matter how painful it might be, I think you need to get there, but you need to find that person who will walk through that journey with you and help you through the different situations and always be there for you because you need that constant. Okay. I am more than blessed to have my mom who's been that person to walk me through it. And at a certain age, it became my wife. Right. And now I've got two different people with very different perspectives that I can trust with my life and walk me through these different situations that know me for me, right? Because <laughs> I know I put myself out there and stuff, but there are many different facets that I do not show, you know, in my, in my career and, and to the people that I work with. So I think that's my advice, honestly, but make your, make your way there because I promise when you get there, it will be the most liberating and you will be so proud of yourself that you will become a new person. There is nothing like being authentic and being you. Now that's in regular life, right? So in terms of work, um, I, I do find this a, a little bit simpler. If you do not feel comfortable where you work, find somewhere else to work, okay? It could be the most rewarding, but nothing is worth losing yourself, 
over. Not a job, not a person, not family. Nothing is worth that. That is incredible advice and life-changing advice for anyone that's listening to that message. Samara, it is an honor to have you on the mics with us today. For the folks that want to stay up to date with you and watch your incredible ascent in cybersecurity and in life, what are the best ways that people can do that? Yes, absolutely. So I was just on a podcast and the lady I was with, she said to email her, do not email me. I'm terrible about email. I am the worst, right? <laughs> so social media, social media, social media. I am uh, very active on LinkedIn. You can always uh, direct message me. I will get back to you 100%, unless you're saying something weird, but I will get back to you 100% on Twitter as well. Reach out to me on Twitter, follow me on Twitter. I'll follow you back. Samara, S-A-M-A-R-A with two more A's and then an R and a W. That's the handle. Give me a follow and reach out. Yes, please do. We highly recommend everyone to reach out and at least watch the YouTube video on the TEDx talk that Samara did. Thanks again for joining us this episode, Samara, and we'll see everyone next time. Thank you so much. If you found value in this content, it would mean the world to us if you shared it on social media, sent it to a friend, or talked about it over coffee. Thank you.